Welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat. I'm Robin Ayoub, your host. Join me for captivating conversations with industry leaders exploring localization, translation, and global communication. Ignite your curiosity as we expand your horizons through these conversations. So let's dive in together into the Localization Fireside Chat. Good morning, everybody. Good morning to our returning uh, viewers and listeners. And uh, we welcome you to another episode of the Localization Fireside Chat. Uh, my name is Robin Ayoub. I'm the founder of the, uh, the Localization Fireside Chat podcast and YouTube channel. Uh, we're an industry leader in broadcasting our voices to the industry. We will meet with various uh, thought leaders, industry influencers to talk about their experiences, to talk about their ventures, to talk about their innovations. And today I am honored this morning to be joined by Chris Delisandri. Chris is a founding partner and a managing member of OWL Testing Software and Rubrica LLC. So I want to make sure that we uh, give voices in on our channel for uh, companies that we think they have a lot of opportunity. They've got a lot of uh, innovation on the go and there may be possibility for them in the industry. And I'm excited to get to know Chris, to be honest with our uh, listeners this morning, that's my first time. Meeting Chris is on our first dialogue, your first conversation. Happy to have the, had the opportunity to get connected on LinkedIn and get this conversation started. Chris, welcome to uh, the channel. Welcome to the episode. Chris, uh, glad to have you with me this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. And, and yeah, as you said, it's, it's our first time talking. So I'm looking forward to, to learning a little bit. I watched a few episodes of the podcast, so I have a little bit of an idea of what to expect, but, but not fully. So. Great. Excellent. Nothing like getting to know each other live online while we're recording. That's great. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> One of the things as we get started with, as we get started normally in our, in our conversations is we ask people like, you know, give us a little bit of background information on you. You know, how did you get started in, 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 in the business and what drove you to it? First, we'll get, we'll try to get to know you as a person. Then you get started to try to get to know your business and how does this gel with the language industry? My name is Chris Delisandri. I've been working in testing software now for 23 years. So that's a big part of, of what I do. As you, as we saw, talked about a few minutes ago, I, we live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I just actually moved house. So that's, that's been a big change this year. So it's been an interesting year for me in a lot of ways. Professionally, I got into doing OWL testing software with a partner of mine. We started out in 1999 doing a project for a public school district where we were going to do a speaking test for people. And that turned into uh, a full-blown test management system. So that's that's the short of, of that. Does that give you some idea or... Yeah, it does. And, and it's so it's in the software business, my understanding. We test software. We, we test people, right? So oh, we test our, people using yes. software. Yeah. So you can build any kind of test that you want in our system. So, and it gets used a lot for language testing, for pre employment screening, and things like that. So, we have the ability to do human scored tests. You can wire it up to do an AI testing. If you want to do that, you can do all kinds of different things. And so does that cover various languages Chris, or specifically to certain number of languages or does it matter the, the languages or? 
it, it does not matter. So you can do, you know, a simulated, simulated oral proficiency interview type of test. You could record a video of you interacting with somebody and record, you know, and record somebody's response to that. So we have folks who test in, in literally, you know, every language it's, it's the platform doesn't care about what language you're testing. So, so I'm assuming the testing is based on some sort of an algorithm to detect the positive negatives, that kind of thing, the patterns, that kind of thing. So that's why it doesn't care about the language that's being spoken. Is, is it, you, you rely on the logic more than the actual way of pronunciation. I don't know, or the way things are being said. No, 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 no. So, so. Our system, you can build a test and then a human being is going to listen to your test. Like, so oh. you're, let's say you you take the test and a human is going to listen to it, maybe somewhere else in the world. And they're gonna, they're gonna give you a score probably on, you know, the, either the actual scale or the CEFR scale or something like that. On the other hand, we also have folks <clears throat> who have trained AIs specifically for their test. And we can ship it off to them. So instead of having that sent to a human rater, it goes to this AI, which does the scoring. But that's specifically tuned to that test. So that's. It sounds like it sounds like you know like what we've been talking about on this channel and some of the uh, some of the uh, pieces of content that I, opinions that I put out there years ago is that a human in the middle is always going to be the well not always but for now human in the middle that hybrid model where you have not complete autonomous systems, meaning relying 100% on AI, you still have human listening, as you said earlier, qualifying, scoring, grading, etc., whatever, on the uh, on, on those tests. Do you envision at some point, I mean, I, I don't know, we don't want to get into te technology evolution at this point, but since we're talking about technology, do you feel like human in the middle is the, is the way to go, or do you feel it evolving? Uh, what's your vision on, uh, on, on that aspect of things? Well, <clears throat> it, it turns out that even if you're going to build a good AI model for speaking, you need hundreds and hundreds of thousands of speech samples and you need very specific speech samples. So even, even if you are going to train an AI, you need a human to have done that work you know, a few hundred thousand times of that analysis. So I, I don't think that, and that's very expensive, right? And you have to, and so I don't think we're at a point where AI is going to take over scoring. I don't think AI can take over scoring for communicative abilities yet. I don't think the technology is there. Will it be in 10 years? I, I don't know. That's That's really, really hard to predict right now. But no, it's it's not there today and it's not there you know, next year or, or probably even the next three years, I, I would say, you know. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, talk a little bit about your business model. You've created a, a set of services and technology around this, those services that you're currently selling. Let's talk a little bit about what's your business model? Like who is, you know, what's your, who's your market? What's your vision for the company? How many, you know, walk us through where you started and where you are right now and where are you going from a business perspective? Sure. So we started out, as I said, working in schools. We started out in K-12 in the U.S. We expanded to doing more different types of testing, and we tried to stay in academia for a while. And it turned out that 
that was just not a good business model for us. The sales cycle is very long with, with academia. It's not that we don't sell to academia still. We still have many customers, many clients who are, you know, either in K-12 or, or in universities. But, you know, we've moved to the point where we're about in business. So we've moved on to, we have a lot of clients who, like I said, do pre-employment screening. They do these harder types of testing. So if you want to do a sign language test, if you want to do a spoken test, you want to do a performance test, if you're, say, like a doctor's certification or something like that, where you have to actually perform or you're interviewing a patient, those kinds of testing. So we've sort of specialized in those harder types of tests to do that are not like you're checking boxes, right? And I sort of see us continuing to go on in that direction and really to expand into doing more and more with technology, right? More with video technology, more with those kind of things and just offering a broader range of services that people probably didn't even know that they could get, right? Frankly, is we have a lot of clients who come to us and like, oh, we didn't even know you could do this without having to have somebody sit down in a room and do an interview or, or whatever. So. And and so how is it, like, tell us a little, the audience a little bit about the, the company size, how many employees you have, your locations, that kind of, just to give some visibility to the organic side of the company? Sure. We're, we're a relatively small company. Most of us are here in Pittsburgh. Up until COVID, we had offices out in you know Scott Township, if you know where that is, in, in the Pittsburgh area. We currently have now decided to go completely remote. So everybody is remote. So we now have folks who are you know, in Maryland, in Virginia, in Wisconsin. So throughout the U.S., like I said, we're a relatively small company, less than 50 people. And we, you know, we have been around for 23 years and, and continue to do this and are, are sort mm -hmm. of evolving as the, uh, as the landscape evolves, right? As we, we try What's to the, from your employee, <clears throat> from employee demographics, so who do you hire? Is it programmers mainly, project managers, linguists? We do not. Yeah. So we are not a language company. And that's, I, I'm just like, I play one on TV, right? Like we, you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous about it, but I don't, you know, we hire, we do hire folks like that to, if we have a client who needs a test built or something like that, we can facilitate that sometimes with, with our other clients, but we don't generally, you know, our company is programmers. We have some marketing folks. We have support people for help desk and that kind of thing. But that's, yeah, we're, we're primarily IT. Yeah. And do you have a, do you deal like with freelancers, contractors, if you need them? We definitely do, especially for things like when we've done localization, right? So we're localized into, you know, 20, I think 25 different languages on the back end. Um, so yeah, of course we hire, we hire contractors to do that. We've worked with contractors to do development of various pieces. Um, we have an app. We've hired some contractors to work on on the UI for the app and things like that. So yeah, of course. And and you know when you uh, sorry this conversation over coffee sometimes it takes sometimes directions it goes forward it goes backward. So <laughs> sorry about that. But no the uh, conversation that we just started earlier, like where you started with the uh, first initial idea, was around the K twelve testing, etc. So what brought that on? Were you, was your background in computer science or how did you come across this? Well, I actually majored in philosophy and English lit is what I majored in. But my first job coming out of school was doing programming. 
So I, I took a job doing that in the early 90s. And I had been writing code probably for about 10 years at this point. And a friend of mine and I thought it was 1999. We wanted to start a business. So we thought we would do consulting where we would write software for people. And the idea being, for me at least, was we would find something that we could hold on to the intellectual property, but do it on the cheap for somebody, that kind of thing. And that's what we ended up doing. You know, we ended up with this project for the Pittsburgh Public Schools. We developed a, a software for them, but we were able mm -hmm. to keep the recording piece, you know, so we were okay. able to expand that out. Yeah. Okay. And so now I've seen you connected to many people in the language industry. So what is, so how do you see the opportunity in languages? I know you mentioned that there's other opportunities outside the language industry, which you're currently involved in. Sure. And that's the beauty of, you know, something that like what you're just doing, it's a horizontal service. It can go to every industry because some people at some point, at some places, they need your, they need your services, not necessarily specifically for the language industry, etc. So what's the connection with the language industry and how much do you feel the language industry is important to you? Well, it's, it's sort of the main focus of our business. You know, all along, we've been able to do these audio recordings. So we have an entire rating piece built in. If you're familiar with a simulator or proficiency interview, you know, we can build all that in very easily. And you can just, you know, do a couple of recordings, upload those, and you can start testing. And it's very, very simple for you to do that. So that's, that's been at the core of our business and it will continue to be at the core of our business. You know, we work with a university in uh, Italy where they're doing screening. Their students have to be able to speak either German or English. They have to speak two of three, German, English, or Italian, I think at a B2 level, right? So they have to test them when they're coming in. So that's that's the kind of thing that we do is, is we work a lot with um, folks who need to do that, that kind of thing, where they need to do language testing specifically. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So where's the, what's next for you? What, what do you see the opportunity here going forward? What's what's the evolution of your company, Owl Testing? So what's next, I think, is, you know, we get more into app development. I really see people wanted, especially in, you know, Telephones penetrated into the market way faster than televisions did. So, you know, when you're talking about doing testing in Asia in a lot of places where they don't necessarily have the infrastructure of the wired internet, but they have a wireless internet. So I see us getting much more into apps and going down that road. I definitely see us getting more into, you know, doing different types uh, of testing, like I said, with the technology. And I can't say too much mm -hmm. about the video stuff yet, but we're interested in doing some things with that. So. And so from the beginning till now, you've seen the company goes from, obviously you guys have founded the company, you and your partner, you've seen the company go from zero to where it is today. How was your journey? If somebody who <laughs> up there from an entrepreneurial perspective wants to learn a few tips uh, on, on that, on that aspect, tell us a little bit about the journey. How do you got here? I, I would say it's, it's difficult. I would say, remember that you as the one who's starting the business, you get paid last. So, you know, especially when you're starting out in the beginning, right. And you're hiring people, they have to have confidence in you. They have to have confidence that the building, the business is going to keep going. You have to have confidence that it's going to keep going. And, you know, that's, 
that's a hard thing to do. And I've been, the reason I'm talking a lot about that right now is I'm, I'm actually working with trying to mentor some folks and trying to help them get their business up and running. And it's really, you know, just that perseverance, right? I mean, you really just have to kind of keep going. So that's, that's one thing I would say is, is that that's, that's a struggle. But I would also say that it's, you know, I'm at a point in my career now where I, I don't think I could work for anybody else. You know, I mean, I just, I've been doing this for too long and, and I enjoy it and, and I enjoy being able to do a lot of the things that I've been able to do because, because I did start my own business. So. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, has it always been a, you know, a hockey stick sort of a trajectory in terms of growth or did you see, <laughs> did you see the, the, the sawtooth, I guess, episodes? Of course, of course. I mean, and that's, that's one of the things that always happens with, businesses right i mean it just doesn't that's just a fantasy the hockey stick right nobody how many unicorns are there in the world right so it's more like you know the downturn in 2008 that was that was a bit difficult and it's it's cyclical right i mean it's just sort of you know you 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 make sales when people have money to make sales and when the business is going you know I haven't figured out a way to explain it yet as to, as to how, you know, like the business process, there's always unforeseen things that come along and unpredictability, right? Exactly. And so you just have to be on top of it. That's just all you can do. Now talk a little bit about your sales and marketing. How are you structured to do sales and marketing? You have salespeople, you have sales team, you have marketing. And what do you target? What areas do you target? So. We just try and so, so we have a sales team and a marketing team. We do more marketing than sales, to be honest with you. Our sales model is very much, if we can help you, we want to help you. If we can't, we will tell you that, you know, this is not going to be a good fit for you. So we have folks who come to us frequently and they're saying, well, we need a learning management system. Well, that's not what we have. We have a test management system. It's not full-blown LMS. We have folks that come to us and say, I want to do uh, paper scored testing and I want to be able to, you know, fill in these check boxes and things like that. And I say, well, you know, we can't do that. You know, so that's, so we market to, we try and put, put out marketing materials that show the variety of things that you can do in our platform. And we really try and get folks to come to us. Right. So we, you know, we go to, we go to language industry things. I've gone to Actful and Neckful and, you know, Calico and a bunch of different language organizations I go and I present at those things. And that's, it's more, I would say more organic and more focused on the internet um, at this point is, is how mm-hmm. we do our marketing because that's where everybody is. I mean, that's, you know, you know, in one of my uh, previous episodes, actually, uh, not the last episode I did, the one before with Carrie Fisher, you can just look that up. We talked about the need to teach kids a new language or another language in school and how that ev- how that opens a whole bunch of opportunities for kids. And I'm not sure if you have kids, but the we've noticed is that somebody like me, for instance, I speak three languages and I did not just speak three languages. Now I spoke three languages like, you know, when I was young and learned them at an early age. And the opportunity that opens up, and the Gary Fisher, which is the, the episode prior to the last one, 
She's also mentioned actful, where you know, you're engaged at that level in terms of changing the policies, et cetera. And the U.S. is different than Canada in terms of language policies, et cetera. So how's that been? Like, from a, Do you get involved on the policy side with, you know, trying to influence the policy a little bit so you can affect your business? I mean, every business does some of that to as much as they can to their own reach, I guess. You're not trying to move the mountain in some cases. Sometimes you're talking locally to people. Sometimes you're talking to, you know, as you mentioned, K-12 earlier, does that help or it doesn't help? That is, that's a very interesting question. So when, when we started in the early 2000s, yes, I got much more involved. I went to Actful. I tried to talk to people there and, and learn. Really, it was for me, it was just learning about how this all works, right? And then we did try and advocate for what we thought was perhaps a better way to do some testing and things like that. And really what I found was as a business, it doesn't, it's, we decided to go the other direction and be flexible. So if you want to use the European common framework, go for it. If you want to use the actual scale, go for it. And we decided that we as a business would rather be agnostic as to what your choice is to how you do that, because it's just such an uphill battle in this country to get people to do language testing in a in a good and and really useful way and to do education again it's kind of as you said you speak three languages i still you know i spent five weeks in spain this summer and i took spanish classes while i was there again for the you know 10th time or whatever to, to try and get a little bit better because I do believe that's important uh, to be able to speak another language, at least one. But I, I don't think that policy in this country is going to change. And so we intentionally market outside of the United States for that mm -hmm. very reason. You know? Where are you going in Spain? My wife and I were about to go to Spain on at the end of September and we're going for three weeks. That's our second second time, I believe on vacation in Spain and we enjoy visiting, et cetera. So where, where did you go in Spain? We were in Santander most of this trip, almost the entire time, which because we have to travel, my wife is a, is a teacher. And so we have to travel in the summer. That's until, until she retires. And so Spain is God awful hot in the summer in the South. So we stay, we stay in the North, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to the south, actually. We're going to Marbella, Malaga area. Okay. And uh, we're going to spend some time in Barcelona, too. We're taking the whole family with us, so hopefully get some time to enjoy it. Yeah, but Spain is Spain is a lovely, lovely country. But, you know, speaking of languages, and I was just talking about this uh, a few episodes ago, is that when you've learned one or two languages at the beginning of your life in education, in the education system, something happened to the brain and I you know there was some research on this one I can't quote them right now but I'm just speaking on a personal experience that once I've learned one language in in, in school what ended up happening is if I listen to another language I automatically can think now that I need to learn that language so when I go to Spain and I go to Spanish-speaking countries even though I'm not and you know speak I don't speak Spanish you know, I feel like a week or two in my visit, I'm starting to, you know, use the common words, use common phrases, and I didn't really go to learn it anywhere. So your brain gets 
from a chemistry perspective, I believe it gets sure. programmed that way, I think, which is helpful. Yes, I agree. I agree. And it just being there in the country that that is very helpful to for, to being able to pick up the language for sure. Correct. For sure. Correct. Now, yeah. on on the on the topic of, you know, owl testing software relationship with the language industry, what is it that you like to see? Obviously, all of our most of our audience are from the language industry and some of them, even though they're not from the language industry, they are involved in language industry and somehow. What would you like them to hear from OWL testing software in terms of what do you like them to be engaged with you on? Well, I would like to say it is possible to do uh, a simulated oral proficiency interview, and it is a valid test if you do it right. And it's a lot less expensive than you think it is, and it gets you much better results than a lot of these other types of testing do. That would be the thing that I would say. I think a lot of people don't realize that it is one valid and two, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that you can do it as easily as you can. It's like, you know, it's it's just it doesn't have to be mailing tapes around or or or, or whatever people think it is. I don't know. <laughs> mailing tape around. That sounds so that sounds so nineteen eighties. Well, that's, that's actually, that's what they were doing in 1999. That was the problem that we solved, right? They were mailing tapes around between teachers because teachers couldn't score their own students because there's bias. And so they would mail the tapes around. And so we, we built a web-based system to replace that. And, and, you know, doing a, an audio recording through a web browser was not easy to do in 1999. So that's... So is there a possibility, like, let's say, you know, as you know, I mean, for our industry, most of our industry is from a, from an employee perspective, you know, there's about 19,000 companies out there for that does language services of some sort, according to CSA research and around the world. And those, most of those companies employees, you know, project managers, sometimes reviewers, but the majority of the employees internal to those companies are project managers. And the linguists and the interpreters, whoever else is on the outside of the organization. So part of the qualification process to most of these individuals that they would like to work with these 19,000 companies is to go through some sort of a testing, some sort of qualification. If you are an interpreter or you are a translator, et cetera, especially if you are an interpreter, I'm assuming there is a, a language a speech testing that needs to take place. And I'm assuming this is where you guys get involved, one, one would think. Or do you get involved in every one of those functions? Uh, we can be at any of those points, right? So currently we get involved, like there are certification boards that use our platform to deliver tests for certification of interpreters for various things. There are school districts, there are in Canada, some of the you know governmental agencies use our platform because they need to hire translators for the court system or, or whatever. So we can be involved at any point in there. And that's, you'd be surprised at how complicated people can make testing and so, and how differently they all want to do things. And so from a government perspective, we kind of know what the boxes are you have to check off, right? Because there are a bunch of them, that bunch of requirements that you have. And for lower stakes testing, maybe for, you know, pre-employment hiring or something like that, 
we there's different boxes you have to check off. So we can we can help you with all of those kind of things as well. So yes, we we would be involved anywhere throughout that cycle. And just so our audience know that if you are interested in, in in taking a test using your platform, I'm assuming all this is being done via the internet. Uh, you probably need a laptop and a, uh, a microphone. And a, I'm assuming that's it. That's all you need at this point, right? Yeah, we usually recommend headphones, right? Is it's usually the thing that we recommend, depending on the test, your which the company may want it to be proctored. So you would have a webcam, you would either have somebody live sitting on the other end, or you would use an AI proctoring service that would, that would, you know, watch them take the test and watch their record their screen and all that. So, yeah, that's, but that's basically all you need is a, is a laptop or, or even a phone, as I was saying, for, for some yeah. of them, for some of the tests, you can just use a phone. You know, there was a, and I don't know if you guys are involved in that or not, post-COVID, there was a quite the growth, or during it post-COVID, growth in the gaming industry. And not just in, in the gaming industry, that's the entertainment side of things, but that whole moving to remote has accelerated that whole, you know, I'm assuming in your business that got impacted quite a bit because everybody went remote and everybody now can't go to a room somewhere and get tested. They need to figure out a way remotely to get tested. And yeah. And in gaming, that exploded because the localization for gaming side of things globally, you know, because everybody what retrenched into their, you know, the consumption of those games has gone up like through the roof and right. therefore everything attached to it. So how does that impact you, you know, early on, during and post-COVID? Early on, we were scrambling to just like everybody else. And we were trying to help schools out basically because we were trying to offer really inexpensive solutions for, for K-12 just to try and help people out so that they could get through the end of the school year. So we, we, we did some of that. Then during COVID, we really kind of, things kind of evened out and people got more used to doing on remote testing, as you said. So they were getting used to it. This was not, you know, there was, there had been a lot of resistance from a lot of people prior to this. It's like, oh, well, you can't do that. You can't, we need them to come in. We need them to be here. Well, it turns out you didn't, right? And, and so we had a lot of people move to remote testing. And so that was actually very good for us in terms of that. And then post COVID, I would say things have not really slowed down. Things are pretty much the same because it's just the new normal. So basically there was some challenges early on, you know, you've got the, and, and that's not just necessarily for, as it pertains to your business it's across the, across the globe, you know, those management style that says, you know, I want to see you in the office in order for yeah. me to ensure that you are doing a good job versus I'm going to trust you if you go home and take your laptop with you. And so that has shifted the mentality of how we manage employees and staff, I guess. And we were forced to do that globally, all industries, because of what was going on at the time. And then during COVID, I noticed that globally, that companies, if you look at their financial statements on the stock market, et cetera, they're all doing better because COVID allowed them to reduce some of the costs associated with their operating operating expenses. And so it, it improved a lot of financial, financial statements. And then post-COVID, so we got used to the new environment, got used to the, you know, the flexibility that COVID allowed us to, you know, I hate to say that the management style 
that COVID allowed us to to explore and to fine tune a little bit. <clears throat> it allowed us to do a little bit better businesses wise. Yeah, I I mean for us the transition to doing remote work was never wasn't a really hard one. I've been in IT now for you know over thirty years, and you know I was saying in the nineties, I'm like, why do we even have to come into the office? There is no reason for us to be here. We're, we're all writing code. We all have our headphones on. We're just, you know, working away. And anytime we check in with each other, it's, you know, through the server or whatever. So I was like, why do we need to be here? So that's sort of always been my attitude. And we kept an office really just so people would have a place to come in and exchange ideas more than anything else. And, you know, for, for that reason only, and nobody was ever really required to be in the office. So that wasn't a big deal for us because that's just sort of the culture that we've had. But I do think, yes, we, we now don't have an office because nobody wants to go back to the office. So we, you know, I'm experimenting with like using some co-working spaces, doing some things like that. But yeah, I, I think it, it has changed things. It has changed things a lot. I mean, I don't think I'm saying anything new that nobody's heard before, but. Did it give you the flexibility to hire skills in different regions that you probably didn't think about hiring them in the past? Yeah, I would say that's true. And I would say that people were also more willing to be like, oh, sure, I, I can work 100% remotely. I think people were more comfortable with that. You know, as I, I guess I was telling you maybe at the beginning of this or before we started, you know, we now have folks in Maryland and Virginia and Wisconsin and, you know, kind of all over the place. Whereas before pretty much everybody was within, you know, 50 miles of Pittsburgh probably. So, yeah. So to wrap it up, I guess I want to make sure that people understand or the audience understand clearly what our testing software, if you can summarize the, sure. the raison d'etre, I guess, the reason of, of business that you have. And so for our audience to associate you know, if I need this type of service, I'm going to go to our testing software. So what would you tell them? What I would say is if you need to build any kind of test, anything at all, if you need to test anybody for any reason whatsoever, if it's training, if it's pre-employment, if it's certification, if it's in academia, whatever, and we can do way more than you think that we can do, and it can all be done online. And so you know, we, uh, the reason we exist is to make things easier, easy for you. I mean, that's, that's really the reason we exist. And so if somebody needs to reach out to your company, Chris, what's the best way to reach out to them? You can email me directly at Chris, C-H-R-I-S at O-W-L as in the bird, owl, T-S, testingsoftware.com. That's, you know, you can email me directly. You can go to our website. It's owlts.com. That's a great place to go. If you want to get in touch with any any of our support, there's a, a you know form on the on the help on the help pages, which are also all available online. So there's there's lots of ways to get in, in touch with us. So. And you can connect with Chris on uh, LinkedIn. He's open to connect with uh, fellow professionals on LinkedIn as well. I connected with LinkedIn with Chris pretty quickly, and we got a conversation going. I appreciate that, Chris your yeah. openness to communicate, et cetera, online, that speaks volume to me. That's how business is conducted. And in this conversation will not be, will not be, will not take place if, if it wasn't for your willingness to communicate and to be open to have a conversation with somebody. So thank you for that. And for our audience, I really want to thank Chris for joining me this morning. 
if you need any testing of any sort, I, I hope <clears throat> I'm talking about education testing or software test, sorry, education testing as well and proficiency testing, please reach out to Chris and his company, Owl Testing, and they'll love to help you out and uh, walk you through the process. For our audience, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate having you with me this morning and look forward to another conversation. If you haven't done so, please like and subscribe to our channels and we really appreciate your feedback if you have any and love to communicate with all of you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me this morning, Chris. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate the, the opportunity to come on. Thanks. Thanks Welcome for tuning to the localization, in to the localization fireside, fireside chat. chat. I'm Robin Ayoub, Take the warmth your host. of knowledge and renew Join cultural for passion captivating conversations. Keep exploring with industry Stay leaders. Stay curious. Exploring and until localization. Next time, this is Robin Ayoub and global Keep those global conversations. Ignite alive. your curiosity.